Welcome everybody to the 2300 Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, D.B. Richards, alongside my sweet referee, Dave Keener. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hi. Hi, hi. What you got there? Sweet tea. You got some sweet tea? Yeah, and a monster. Dude, you are my sweet tea, man. I try. Yeah, you'll yeah. always be my sweet tea. You know, I, I got a, I, I'm a huge fan. Oh, you're a huge fan? And, and I, I'm kind of marking a little bit for this. Kind you're of shocking all. So you're, ta- you're talking about the geek, geek out My moment. geek out moment, because I've been a fan of this guy since I was a wee little bitty oh, lad. I know who he is. Um, so I, I kind of jaw dropping when he said yes to come on the show and everything else. But, ladies and gentlemen, please say hi to Eric Watts. Hello, Eric Watts. Oh, my God. That intro, I was like, so Raven didn't make the show? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> he said, yeah, he's like, I'm a huge fan. I'm like, this dude is tipping like 500. That's great. He's a huge fan. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I mean, going back to WCW, going back to what your father did, and Techno Team 2000 when, when you were in WWF. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Don't forget he was in ECW. When he did a little stint in ECW. <laughs> and like, I, I, yeah. like I said earlier, I appreciate you coming on our show. So, welcome. Well, Brother man, brother Welcome. man, for all all you fantastic people that if you're if, you know let's reverse it for one second, let's be real for one second, um because I, I I love playing life is so easy and it, it's a blast. But on a real note, right? Without creative people or without people that love the business, like you guys love the business, we'd be hurting because and no knock at everything, I, I I love the business, right? But then you only have certain products that you can watch on TV. But there's 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 a whole bunch of what I call um, small uh, promoter, you know, that that used to be way back in the day, like territories, like, you know, or, around the United States. And without these promoters, which I call podcast interviewers, uh, wrestling lovers, how, how does anyone get educated on the old stuff to the new stuff to everything else stuff? So you guys are what keeps the history history and what keeps wrestling alive. So out of my respect for the business period, um, you guys are a huge part of the business. So it, it's my honor to be on your show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Like, we we don't try to just stick to, like, we put some indie people on the show, and then we put some legends. Like, we had Randy Hogan on. Rip Sawyer's been on our show. Um, and then we had guys from ECW, like Tommy Cairo, Bay Ragney, Chubby Dudley, we Louie Dangerously, C.W. Anderson. Yeah. And then we get the, the, the guys like you that come on, and we appreciate it. We don't want to just do one type of wrestler. We want, and we want managers, and we want announcers. We, we want the whole... Referees. Referees. We want the whole... Shebang. The whole spectrum. The, the whole, whole spectrum, spectrum right? brother. The yeah. whole kit and caboodle. We don't want to just stick to one little thing. I will, I will interview fans, too, if they want to come on. I don't the, care. Uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. We, we have. Dude, yeah, dude, that gives me chill bumps. I dig that, too, right? You know, because exactly what you're saying, Um, it's very creative what you guys are saying because, you know, I do, I look, I, whatever promotes the business, I'm more than happy uh, to, to, to block out certain amounts of my time per week to do it because it's what fed me when I was a kid. It's what fed my children. So I have utmost respect for the business and appreciation for the business. Um, uh, so so I do a lot. Well, I don't do a lot. I do what I can. And and you guys just even saying what you do. Do you guys? Because I promise you, not many podcasts come at that angle. It doesn't make you better or worse than anyone else, but it's refreshing. So just keep on knocking it out. And, and for the people that listen, hopefully they tell other people to listen because that's what it takes. It, 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 it takes 
takes uh, being educated. I, I I'm I'm sick about research. I research a lot. I'm I'm a horrible sleeper. Um, I I I, I pray to get to bed at eleven o'clock, eleven uh, uh, fifteen. And Maybe. if I sleep if I sleep past four, bro, and it's not even sleep. It's ridiculous, right? And um and uh, just be tired, you know, um, all, you know, all, all the time. So um, it, the the only animal that I was ever around that didn't need sleep was Lex Luger. I've never seen uh, so I've gone through a brutal 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 uh, divorce I don't think any of them are good but mine was weird you know um, uh, lived in this county called Cherokee County which is outside of Atlanta and for some reason I guess these people thought I was a celebrity and shit I was like hello slow slow down you know this is cool but I don't want to get this public five years the divorce took it was it was the most disgusting just it was brutal and so Lex had gone through his stuff with you know Liz passing him in jail and so he, you know he's in jail in, in a town called Cobb County because that's kind of where Liz died um, he actually his house that he was living in is the same neighborhood my sister lives in called Sugarloaf uh, Country Club uh, way back in the day my sister um, still lives there but um, so we meet we meet up and and uh yeah, it'd be another podcast. If you guys, you know, listen to some podcasts, you probably heard it. I was not a fan of his. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, I, I, I was less than a fan. Well, matter of fact, if his guts were on fire, I wouldn't pass by to urinate on him at the time. Because just like everything I knew about him personally, you know, or heard was just negative, negative, ugly, negative, right? <laughs> and so so I, I come to this, you know, uh, intersection in my life in which I was going through, you know, some difficulty. Let's just put it that way. Five years and a divorce, kids, this, that, and the other. It was just brutal. And he was going through an intersection of, you know, getting out of jail and some major stuff. And, and so Lex, Lex, um, and Lex got very religious and, and, and it, it changed the person he was. So people that believe or don't believe in, in, in people can believe whatever they want not. We're, we're all individuals. I don't judge. But what I'm trying to say is the transformation that happened with Lex Luger, I, I gotta be honest with you. I've never seen anything like him in my life. And so, so not because of what he believed in, but the transformation that I saw in him, I said, there's got to be something like, to, like to this, this guy is completely different because he used to be Satan, <laughs> you know? And I'm yeah. like, so he, he, yeah, he's just brutal, obnoxious guy. Yeah, I and, heard he was um, hard to work with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there, there's two stories uh, I don't want to stand on right now of me. Yeah, yeah I, I called in a favor to make sure that when I beat his brains out, when I was leaving WCW, go WWE, that everything would be cool top people said do it in the parking lot and then he ran late and then I had to fly out to go to WWE and then um, him and Liz were like an hour after the show I couldn't wait so I, I you know I had a limo so fly, uh, a plane ticket so it never came to fruition because he was, he was he ran so late to the show that I had to go in and talk to the bookers and get my finish and all this other stuff and get ready because I was early in the show and so it didn't happen but the crazy thing about it is, is thank goodness it didn't you know because uh me and him are close 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 now i i would have never imagined me being close to him but what a beautiful fantastic human being so he was he was living in an apartment complex uh and i i i went and actually had a place at this apartment complex too well i was going through my divorce because it was gated it was unbelievable 24-hour uh card for incredible gym pool jacuzzi it was really really nice secure area in this in this area well the the um the pasture of Cobb county jail system uh 
um, which was also a pastor of, of a church in, in Cobb County, he lived in here and left rooms with the guy uh, because he was his, obviously his mentor uh, because when he got saved and all that, he, he wanted to just stay around it. He wanted to learn as much as he could. Well, when this pastor's church, you know, like a year, two years later, um, decided, like a lot of churches do, to buy a house and, 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 and put the pastor in the house and that be part of the um, uh, part of the incentives, you know, right? Like as an employee that he could live rent free in this, this house. It was a humble house of this house. So when he when he moved out of that um, apartment complex, uh, let being I, I think I think he maybe had some felonies or whatever on his record, this apartment complex being what they call an A, a grade apartment, mm-hmm. he could not take over the lease, mm-hmm. nor could he live in the apartment complex. So so he knocked on my door one day and said, Hey brother man, you know, you got this apartment, you know, uh, you got extra room, you know, could I could I uh, would you be would you be open to, to, to thinking about me being your roommate? And I said, Yeah, let's think about it. So about five days later I said, Man, I'm up for it. I, I really am and he goes he goes, You know what? I, I really believe in my heart it's the right thing. And I said, No problem. Come on. You know, I got my kids um limited right now and, and so, you know, they come over only ever so often. And he room and he moved in. So when he first moved in <laughs> there's like a truckload of people, you know, all from the church helping moving things and doing things. <laughs> I, I, I felt worthless. I'm like, I'm sitting here watching people move in and I'm not lifting a finger nor do I want to. So we're all good. And everyone's like so happy. How you doing? And da, da, da. And, you know, and I was like, these are the nicest people. You know, I, I really felt like saying, hey, by the way, I didn't brush my teeth today. Can you go ahead and just brush my teeth? I mean, like they <laughs> were just so loving and kind, right? Yeah. So Lex comes in and he's like, hey, we got to talk about like bills and this, that, and that. I go, I'm not sweating it. And he goes, okay, talking about sweat. I didn't talk to you. I go, okay, this is getting a little creepy. It's just, so what do you want to talk about? He goes, okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to pay all the utilities. I go, okay, well, it's not a lot in apartments, but okay, I mean, uh, what are you talking about? He goes, okay, the thermostats only go down to like 58. I go, well, I don't know how you know that because I'm not part of the polar bear club. I do like it. Cool. <laughs> I do, cool I do like it. Cool. <laughs> no, but then, and, and listen, I look at night, man, my bedroom, I got all the, you know, smart bull crappy and yeah, the nest will sit there and it, it, it drops down to 65 and, and that's cool for most people and I'm digging it because I'm fat and so I'm digging <laughs> it and so but he's like 58 I go okay he goes but I need it year round I, we can't turn the heat off I go well no I can turn the heat are you can we talk What what's going on he's like I, I can't take it over 58 and he said so in the winter let's turn the heater to 58 I'm like is that an oxymoron like I've never heard someone say hey can you bump the heat to 58 in the <laughs> so my, my not, house don't go below 70 during the right, summer. So, so, okay. So I'm trying to process, you know, and he's like, hey, you know, uh, let me pay you a few months rent free. I mean, no, no free, but up front. I'm like, like well, whatever, we're good. So I'm still trying to think to myself, he's, he's joking, bro. He wasn't joking. I mean, I think I ran out to go to the gym, came back, and it's in the summer, and I can't see out the windows now because, you know, when, when, when it's 100 degrees outside and, and, and the air conditioner said it's 58, there's condensation in the window 
I was like, I got to buy a squeegee to see out my beautiful windows to the beautiful, you know, uh, area. And uh, what's going on? Brother man never changes. Mm-hmm. And and so he's sitting there and um and he's sitting in the living room. He's got a white hanging shirt on and he is drenched in sweat. I'm like, what, what the hell is going on? He goes, well, my body chemistry is always been weird. I, I, I just burn fat. And he goes, so I can eat, but I eat clean, but I'm burning fat all the time and I just, I just sweat no matter what. I go, are you serious? Like, this isn't caffeine. This isn't, he goes, no, this is just how I am. I go, okay. So he gets up and um, he, 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 he walks to his room. I see him come back up. He took the hang shirt off, put it in the trash can, and then put on another hang shirt. I go, okay, let's talk about laundry. He goes, Eric, I sweat so much, uh, you know, just because my, he goes, I eat so clean. I, I'm, I'm always taking in protein 11, 12 times a day. So I'm just lean and I burn a lot. I said, okay, I said, so why don't we do the shirts? Like, like, you know, he's like, because you can go to Walmart and you get 12 hand shirts for five ninety nine. I'll mm-hmm. go through five of them a day. He goes, I'll go through five of them a day. I'm good. So <laughs> dude was just so the shirt. And, and so then um, one day he was gone and I'm like, I, I kind of peeped into his uh, his bathroom, you know, with his room and sure shit. And he's got like these, he's got these containers of, of ice there in cup and he, he has these, you know, protein shooters, he called them with 52 grams of protein. And they are set in his bathroom so that at night, if he, when he wakes up, um, because he, he believes in having, you know, protein in his body every hour and a half, two hours, like all, all people that have incredible, you know, physiques, bodybuilding stuff do, but I did not know it was that thing. And so he went up to these restrooms, he takes a shot of protein. So, so he was just, he was just wired different. And I'm going to tell you this. I said, let's can I ask you, about what time do you go to bed? He's like, oh, around 11, 30 or 12. I go, can I ask you what, what time do you wake up? He goes, I- I'm good around 3, 30 or 4. I go, excuse me? He goes, ah, you know... If I sleep in like four hours, I feel lethargic in that day. I'm like, okay, you're a freaking cyborg. Like, like I, I mean, like, I, now I know what happened with that Terminator. He became my roommate. It was the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Years before that, though, I got to meet Donald Trump. Okay. I'm going to tell you this. Forget politics. We're not talking about politics. We're not talking politics at all. People said Trump was the same way. They said, if he, now, no, it's not cyborg. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he missed a, a French fry and eats a No, 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 you're fine. Crazy true stories. So I was looking up something earlier today. Yeah. You play quarterback. Yes, I did. Did did you start? 
And so I went to uh, Louisville. Um, I was originally um, coming out of uh, high school. I was one of the highest ranked um, prospects. Mm -hmm. Um, I had decided two years because, you know, uh, um, education was huge to me, right? So I was taking all the honor rolls and all the stuff, you know, four point whatever. I I, I think I graduated 4.42 or something. And and back in my day, it wasn't something junior year or senior year that they would give you extra credit for honor classes or whatever. I pay on comparison to my daughter. Uh, I think when she graduated, she said four or eight. Um, and she's at the Naval Academy. She she started as a she started as a freshman on the basketball team. Congratulations to her. I saw that post. Yeah, she's a beast. She's a freaking beast. My son, <laughs> my son just he, he graduated from business school at Kansas State, and he's a freaking beast. Too. I mean, these, these kids, Jesus. I, I mean, thank God they had a beautiful mom. And um, but but they're, they're just beasts. And um, so so I was you know was a quarterback in Oklahoma back in the day in Oklahoma for a quarterback to throw a whole bunch of yards was like weird because everyone kind of inspired to go to the University of Oklahoma and Oklahoma back in the day with Coach Switzer was a wishbone system mm-hmm. um, and that was my dad's all on the water so I'm like man you know, I'd love to play but that's cool but I want to be in the pro and so um, and, and, and I literally was looking at Harvard Yale and Cornell and Brown um, really incredible uh, Ivy League and I'm going to go there and it would throw me off when I was interviewing with some of these coaches is um, the Ivy League, right? There is no spring ball because because education is more important. And, and education is more important, but I'm just saying, okay, so my it's going to be really hard to go pro. Now, but I wanted the best education. Now, and so I was trying to get the best of both worlds. And then they're like, yeah, if you got a big, you know, if you got a big study week, just tell the coach and, and you just don't practice and if you miss a game, it's cool. And I'm like, I do. Education is so important to me, but man, yeah, this is this is weird, right? Now, I don't I don't want to say anything because one of my favorite quarterbacks now in the NFL was a Harvard grad. Um, and I think he's at the Jets now. Uh, right, it's Patrick. So, uh, <laughs> he's a genius, brother. He's a genius. But anyway, so I'm like, so maybe I'll be down and negotiate with Harvard. But um, so I'm like, okay, really, really killer education and killer football. Stamp. So, so, and one of my favorite quarterbacks when I was in high school, uh, well, Dan Marino was, was really my favorite. Um, but very close favorite was John Elway. Mm-hmm. So Jack Elway, John Elway's dad, was the head coach of Stanford Cardinal. Um, Stanford Cardinal, um, very few colleges did this. They would actually have two a day, full pad camp in the summer. Most people didn't want to do that for a legal reason, but it's on blue and me or whatever. So I would go to Stanford and did the two a day, but I actually had a third, uh, how I say this, practice that no one else knew about. And somehow, the week that I went to Duke, California, John Elway came and did his dad. And somehow, we met out on uh, the field with two receivers, and we threw every day. So I'm just sitting there as a kid going, this is like my favorite to second favorite quarterback. I'm I'm, I'm throwing ball with John freaking Elway. So <laughs> I, was, I was 100% ready to go. And um, his dad called me up, and uh, I was committed to go and the whole thing. And said, hey, you know, I, I just have to be honest with you. I'm not going to be Stanford next year. Uh, I want to get in the NFL and I want to take a chance. And the USFL uh, has hired me as a head coach of Frankfurt, Germany Galaxy. And I'm going. I just want to. I want to be honest with you. I think Stanford's good school, but I won't be for my coach. So um, a dude came and, 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 and visited me, and he said, "Son, my last three quarterbacks were Kelly, Tessa Verde, and Tozar." I'm not excited. Yeah, I know exactly what 
New York, I was known murder. And so I went to Louisville. So in a nutshell, I, I go to Louisville and um, I'm pressing the starter uh, pretty hard. Some politics happened, which I didn't even think would happen on the uh, college level. And my father, it seemed, and Howard Schnellenberger didn't see eye to eye, which I don't even know why they would need to see eye to eye. I don't see how it got going. But it had to do with, it's not my dad being a dish, but because he wasn't, it had to do with, it, it was over a car. I got a car from a sponsorship, and he told me to return it. I didn't know. My dad's like, I didn't even get free. I just got a So kind of like a booster. Disc. I got an incredible disc. Just put it that way. Okay? <laughs> and and uh, on, a, on a 944 Turbo Porsche. And and so, so you know, I wasn't a materialistic kid. It was just it was a great deal. Well, Snelly was like, and I didn't know this. So my dad was like, hey, he, he doesn't need that car because I, I want my kids. Uh, and not in a bad way because I want them broke and hungry. Like, like everyone else here has nowhere else to go. Like, they're incredible athletes, but if they don't make it, they have nowhere to go, and it keeps them hungry. I don't need him pulling up in, in this, car, this car. And my dad's like, well, that's awesome. I didn't know because if he's the best person in his position, then he can play. Maybe he's not, he's not. So you can stick your carrier up your pipe. I didn't know this happened, so I went from number two, which I was not, the whole plan was for me not to start or buy the starting position my first year because Snellenberg was famous for his playbook. It's like the Yellow Pages back in the day. It was huge. It was enormous. And I wanted that. I wanted to learn for a year because I wanted to hide the You know, I wanted a national championship. I, I, I was going at it, right? And so, uh, and that's what Snellenberg said would be best. He was all, you know, I tried to pressure right. my pressure. So I'm there. I'm pushing. At, I'm, I'm number two. Um, and the day that uh, I, the, the car actually like stayed and was delivered, I dropped it with the 13th quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what happened. Just like, hey, you know, because Snellenberg was pulling me in and saying, hey, you know, here, here's the idea. Is that you're number two. I'm, I'm going to travel. And then if Jay, Jay's knee, which was reconstructed the year before, he's a senior. It, it, it's hurt. And, and we need it in our season is doing good. I got, I'm going to push you in. I'm going to coach because, because it'll be right. But if not, I'm going to do everything not to burn your redshirt freshman year. Now it's different. Like Now, now like if you go as a redshirt freshman, you only play like five games, you don't burn your year. But the, the difference was like, let's say, let's say Jay, um, let's say Jay on the 10th game out of 11 games hurts himself and they put me in. If I played one down, I burned, I burned that freshman year. Yeah. And so it, it was so it's intense. So it didn't happen. Um, and and so that uh, shadowed on me by the name. By the by the way, my good friend Jay, uh, quarterback, um, set all the records in arena ball. But I was also head coach two years ago, two years ago, three years ago at Washington Redskins, Jay Rose. So okay. that that was a, yeah. So that was the quarterback just to give you guys stuff. So my roommate and me were in battle out for when Jay was gone, and um, I, I'm just gonna be honest. I mean, I, I, I destroyed everybody uh, in those games, and so I, I was kind of tired of the politics. And I had a girlfriend from high school that was going to Purdue University. And I was like, you know what? I want to watch some games. I'm like, man, if Purdue, they have the biggest lineman and great defense, but they're just not doing well. They, they can't move the ball. And I, I thought to myself, I'm like, all that I know now, you know, all that Mr. Schnellenberg has taught me is the offense, the mind, how to read 
defense team, I I I could go and implement you know something like that into any college, and with athletes like this, we could be vying for a national championship. So you know, I told my dad, I said, I, I want to transfer. So what I was going to do was I was going to transfer the third year I was there. Well, I redshirted my first year, so if I transferred after my second year, I would be at Purdue for one year. I have to burn it because if you transfer, you burn it. And I have two years. I'm like, in two years, I, I can win a national championship maybe. I can definitely buy it for the Heisman Trophy. And then I can go live my dream being a college quarterback in the pros. And so uh, some major stuff happened. They, they got together, and I heard there was a kumbaya. Everything got religious. Everyone was happy, and it was meant for me to stay. So I'm like, you know what? I'll roll with that. If, 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 if these people are getting along and everyone's cool, this is where I wanted to be anyway. I'll do it. So I was the number one quarterback all the way through the summer. And the first day that I went to school, I went to school, came back. I'm like, this is awesome. I've got three years under the greatest coach, you know, quarterback coach of all times. I'm happy now. I didn't know anything. I go. I pick up my, you know, because we have lockers, get my stuff. I get my plays, you know, and all the you know, your schedule. And I look at the, at the uh, depth chart and it got me off the depth chart. I wouldn't even listen. Because the first day that you attend school earned another year. So the, the, the politics weren't over. And so and it, and it crushed me and my, my roommate because we were like best friends. Yeah. And then he gets the, he gets the start over me. And, and and he was like, I just don't get it. This isn't the way. I said, Brown, leave it alone. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm so be, I'm so beyond people. And like my mom, the way they raised me, she raised me, my dad, like you can't let, uh, you can't let uh, people put obstacles in your life and you sweat it, right? You just, you can't. And, and, and as, as crazy and as bad as it was, I'm like, I don't care. I mean, I care, but shame on, shame on those people for being this way. I don't. Yeah, don't sweat it, the bullshit. Come on, man. I, I got, you know what? If this door closes, I'm opening another door. I don't have time for this dog shit. And you, so. You keep moving forward. Right. So, so he started, I came in on a few games uh, that he was struggling on and participated. And, um, and we ended up at the, going to the Tempe, uh, uh, Fiesta Bowl that year. Uh, we were nine, uh, we were 10, one and one that year. We, we went in the Tempe Fiesta Bowl, nine, one and one. Uh, the, uh, Tempe Fiesta Bowl was one of the big three. Yeah. You know, sometimes determined the national championship. Uh, we faced a pretty good team called Alabama. <laughs> and, um, and I remember I was sitting in the pool and Schnellenberger said, Hey, you know, Eric Browning, the competition's still open, which I felt kind of, that was kind of weird. You know, like I'm like, well, Browning started, but yes, I've come in throughout season, right? When you're struggling or whatever. Yeah. And so, so I get it, but he's been your star. So to me, I'm going to, I'm watching this game in my brain going like, what the fuck? But at the, at the same time, I'm like, hold on a second. If I can start the Fiesta Bowl and have one last year, I'm, I'm awesome. You know, but let's see what happens. So we, he had the meeting and then we did a few practices. He came back as, you know, here's the deal. Rounding your senior and um, and uh, I want you to go out right. But if you struggle, Eric's coming in and me and goes, coach, I'm always going to be cool with that. And and me, I, you know, nothing. like I said, I'm cool with it. Rounding, it was beautiful. He goes out. Sets a sets a, 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 a fiesta bowl passing record. He threw like three hundred and something yards in the first fucking half. It was beautiful. He was lighting it up. Our defense kind of rushed them. I come in the second half, but we were already up. We beat their brains out thirty four to seven. And Browning Nagel is the first quarterback picked in the second the second round in the New York Jets. Yeah, you know? I'm like I'm like good Browning. So then the politics even got more strange because then my fifth year which was my senior year 
um, Schnellenberger, and again, loved him. He just passed away this year. Loved him, loved him, loved him. I don't know what was going on. Was going to stick it to my dad or whatever one more time. And so I was the heir apparent. I'm the starter. I, you know, is and then uh, uh, took me off the roster. I wasn't even traveling to the first game. <laughs> started a young, started a young kid in front of me. Uh, very good athlete, but was, was short. You know, six feet. Uh, ran a four three forty. Had a good arm, but wasn't your pro style quarterback. Even though he got drafted too, uh, I think the 49ers, uh, and played around for two or three years. Um, but he's the head coach of the Purdue Bo- Boilermakers, making five million dollars a year right now as a college coach. Um, his name is Jeff Rum, and they started him. And our first game was I believe the first game was against the University of Tennessee, and they snapped his leg in half. And so now I'm home thinking I'm good, man. I graduated with my first degree in three years. I, I I've already got interviews. Uh, I, you know, I, I want to go train for wrestling because I promised my mom that until I got out of college, I wouldn't get into the ring. I knew everything else about the business, but I hadn't been in the ring or trained because my mom wanted us all to have um, degrees, uh, college degrees. So I'm like, you know what? I'm good, man. I'm going to chill and finish my master's because I, I, I entered my master's program in my um, uh, three and a half years in college. And I said, I'm good. And Schnellenberger calls me and he's like, we got to talk. And it was the craziest talk I've ever had. You know, like, he basically begged, please, and please, I did this wrong. Things got in my head, you know. You know, you've always been different and independent. This has been between basically me and your dad. And he goes, I, I'm so shameful of what happened. I said, but let's get the bottom line. You want me to come in here? You need me. Coach, man. This, <laughs> university, is pay, he, 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 this university has paid for hundreds of thousands of dollars my education. Wow. You've taught me a lot. I don't understand why people have to be so shitty to other people. I get it. But yeah, coach, I agree. Of course I will. Yeah. So I played the rest of the senior year. And. Um, and had an opportunity to go pro. I had an agent, and um, literally, I said, I'm sick of football. Uh, after my agent, uh, we knew where I was going. I was going to back up either the Berg in Tampa, or I was going to be in, uh, in Cincinnati. I was going to go probably around the fifth round, which is, you know, down, you know, down round, uh, you know, kind of a free agent style, and have to prove myself. The coolest call I ever got was from Jimmy Johnson, the Dallas Cowboys. He said, Eric, he goes, Eric, I've got Troy Aikman, I've got uh, Bono, from uh, San Francisco, and then I've got the Heisman Trophy, uh, Andre Ware from Houston. Give me, a, just give me a year, go to the USFL, and I'll make you a position because I've never seen someone that takes so many hits, so resilient, so that you goes, kid, you got it. He goes, I, he goes, you're, you're not going to start for me, not with Troy Aikman here, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, I, got, I said, I'm not mad at that, right? And he goes, but you'll make it. He said, you'll, he said, listen, even if you're only third, third round, he said, do you understand my third round quarterback? Right now, now think about this. This is in 1991, 92. Right. My, my third, my, my third string quarterback makes two million a year, and I'm like, I'm good, man. Let's roll. And um, but I said, I'm not going to the NFL, so I can't do it. So I, I I pulled myself from the draft, and I I remember I was like, that's it. I'm not, I'm gonna get my career going. I already interviewed with Georgia Pacific, IBM, and a few other companies that were mainly based in Atlanta, and um, I 
called my dad one day. I'm like, hey, you know, I, I did it. I got my degrees. Uh, I got my degree and my master's. And um, so I want to get in the ring, man. I want I want to feel what it is to be in the ring. I, you know, I'm an athlete. I said, da, 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 da. I'm into wrestling, basketball, football. I said, I said, do you know someone in Atlanta? I've been doing some interviews that has a ring that I can get jump in. He goes, well, let me make a call. I call him back. Because yeah, there's that and Jody Hamill, very good friend of mine, Matt Sasson. He goes, but hey, he said, you can come and work out. He said, but you're going to come in like you're trying to try out. I said, I'm not trying to try out for shit. He goes, no, but he he, he wants you intent. And he goes, I got to be honest with you. It, it, it's a feeder program, right? But he goes, but but you're, you're built off the sun. I go, okay, well, I'm just going to just see what it's like. And he said, okay, no problem. So I uh, went 23 days at that school. Then I was heading back to go back and finish my, I had three classes left in my master's program um, that weren't available because I took a lot of hours. They weren't available. When you get in that master's program, like your thesis program, a few others, sometimes yeah. uh, at the very end, they get jammed up. So so, um, it, so, so I pushed it to, to where I would do it in the spring, finish my master's. Um, I already had jobs lined up and uh, 23 days and, and so when I was leaving uh, Grizzly Smith asked me to say hey uh, Dusty called Dusty and I said okay so I called Dusty and Dusty's like hey brother and I said hey he goes hey man wouldn't you like to just see what it's like to be in front of people last one I said bro I said give me you know I, I'm coming back when I get my master's I'm going to be in Atlanta anyway I, I, I still work out and try to why wait I mean, why wait for what he goes I think it was Cleveland Tennessee he said Buddy Lee Parker Sarge he's been training you and he said so you know, you, sh- you guys should be acquainted. Why don't you just run it down? You know, run six, seven, eight minutes up to the Cleveland. I said, what? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you got you got wrestling boots. I said, well, I got wrestling boots. This is going to wrestling right here. I said, I don't have shit else. He goes, you got a pair of your football pants? I go, yeah. He goes, you got one of your jerseys? Yeah. Goes, there you go. Put on your football shit and come out. I said, what? <laughs> and he said, I said, hell, I said, of course I would, man. And so um, I headed up there, man. It was on the way, kind of just a little out of the way, kind of on the way back up to Louisville. And I get there. I'm, I'm actually just thinking, man, I'm freaking the frick out. Thinking, I'm going to wrestle. And then I, it hit me. I'm like, I don't know shit. I had literally been at a school for eight, ten hours a day. Everyone else doing like four hours for 23 days or 21 days. Like, who, like, who does? Like, I'm going to go out there and do what? A headlock? You know, like, I mean, like, really, you know, what's going on? And um, I remember I came through the dressing room doors and there's Rick Steiner, which you know, he knew me since I was like 14 years old, 12 years old. He goes, what are you doing? I go, I, 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 I get to wrestle tonight. He goes, uh, you get to wrestle tonight? I go, I, I do. He goes, uh, well, uh, that's right. You got the wrong dressing room. I go, but no, they, they want me to come out as a, as a good guy. He said, do you mean baby face? I go, yeah, that guy. And he goes, okay, yeah, not, not, not here, rookie. I go, so, so, so where do I get dressed? He goes, concession stand. I swear to God. Wow. I swear to God. Yeah, I swear to God. Took my bag. It was about four older ladies working this concession fan. Popcorn smelled incredible. And you got me trying to hold a towel around myself and get nude and get my shit on and stretch out in a concession stand sitting on a cooler mm. uh, of Gatorade. And they're selling like uh, Frito chili pie and popcorn and, and um, they're wondering, what are you doing? And I'm wondering, I don't know, what am I doing? And, and we never say anything, which is mentally people are like, he's this guy a freak. And, and today I would have been arrested, right? Like, well, why is this guy taking clothes off of these poor old ladies? <laughs> and so um, Could have been your gimmick 
concessions got, got out of the concession and I said, I'll, I'll be back and walked down towards where the baby face was, waited on some music and then Grizzly said go and got in the ring and it was so funny because, you know, when I played at college, I was one of the nation's biggest quarterbacks at 6'6", 252. Well, even in that 23 days, just pumping the iron at night and I was beat up all the time, but I met this guy named Harold Hogue in the gym and that's how Harold Hogue, the ice train got to wrestle. I met this guy and like, he was benching like reps on 500. I came up to him and said, hey bro, it looks like you know how to work out. And he looked at me and goes, it looks like you don't. I go, exactly. And so, <laughs> I said, you know, I'm like, I've worked out, but I've been on a, I've been on a high diet of quarterbacks the last five years. And so, we started working out and, and even in that like 23 days, I think I gained like seven or eight pounds. Well, it, so, so, so now, you know, I'm, I'm like pumped up. Well, I put on my Fiesta Bowl jersey and wear it out there. And so, I get out there and here's Nick Patrick and, and, and of course, Nick Patrick is Jody Hamilton's son. So Jody had been down a few times when I was training just to shoot shit with me, which was really cool. And so I, I had a friendly face, thank God. And here comes Sarge, and Sarge is in the ring. And then Jody's like, hey, the, uh, uh, Nick is like, hey, this is time when you take your jersey off because I'm going to ring the bell. I'm like, oh, no problem. I went to grab the bottom of it. And I, I guess I just like, you know, I, I guess I got like so pumped up and working out, that, you know, sweat and this whole thing. This jersey, I grabbed it and I felt like I was in a Philly Flyer gimmick. I, I pull it halfway up, and now my elbows and shit are stuck in my jersey, and I can't get it over my uh, over my head. I'm like, okay. Okay. over the pads. Yeah, I'm like, I, I, I would lose this hockey fight. And then, then I think about it. There's no pad. It was just on me, and I couldn't get it off my, my body. I was like, oh, I was stuck. Nick, I think, tipped his pants. So he comes over and goes, bro, bro, okay, man, Jesus Christ. Now I've got the referee fighting pull my jersey off me. Right, and I'm like, oh, this is not starting well. And so uh, we wrestled. We did probably just seven minutes, and I swear to goodness, I hardly remember anything. It was a freaking blur. I was so nervous. I'm like, God, I got to listen. Sarge, what's he saying? Sarge is an animal. And um, I was so excited, and then they, they, they let me win. And so I roll out of the ring, of course, and I'm thinking, okay, I just won. Maybe I should have stayed in the ring, but shit, I don't know. And so I rolled out, and Nick's like, that's new. I wanted to raise your hand in the ring. I said, I'm good. And I was so excited that when he raised my hand, I started going down back to the dressing room and fans like, you look great. Yeah, you did great. You did great. By the way, you're going to the bad guys. <laughs> I was going down the wrong way. So I had to turn, so I had to turn around, come back, go up the, the baby faces and, and back in the concession stand where they had popcorn. And uh, so, so it was crazy. And, and, and um, so I'm getting dressed. I'm getting ready to leave. I, I'm, I'm just on, I'm on a, I'm on a high. I'm like, that is the greatest feeling. I mean, I played, I played against Syracuse uh, at the Coca-Cola Classic in in Tokyo, Japan, in front of seventy some thousand people. I, I, I my first start, my first start as a as a college quarterback was on ESPN in the Horseshoe in front of one hundred ten thousand people playing Ohio State. Okay, so I've been on some big platforms, yeah. but in Cle- in Cleveland, I don't know how many people were there, like two thousand people and or three thousand, whatever it was. I like you can't match the description of being out what you've watched your whole life and and being in it and feeling it and entertaining and holy shnikes, right? So so 
Grizzly sees me and goes, kid, you know, you did good. And I'm not, I'm not okay. You know, who knows? I've known Grizzly since I'm freaking six years old. <laughs> you know, he's probably just being nice. He goes, hey, call, call Dream. So I get to a pay phone, call Dream. So he goes, yes, sir. And he goes, hey, how'd you like it? I go, I got I to be honest. I, maybe if I, once I have a kid, I'll understand. I, I've never felt anything like it. He goes, that's what I thought. You're fine. And I go, excuse me? He goes, no, it's in you. I go, what? He goes, you said exactly what I need to hear. I go, what's that? So he goes, you, you'll never feel that feeling again. And the thing about it is, you'll never not want to wrestle. So you're 70, 80, you'll still try to find a way to get the ring. It, it just, when you're called for this, you're called for it. I, guess, I, gotta, I don't go finish my master's. And he goes, I got you. I got you. He goes, hey, on the way, do you, do you go through, you know, by, by Knoxville or Nashville? And I said, yeah. And he goes, run that match back one more time for me. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be to college for another day. I said, I loved it. Well, this time I'm more down. I remember so much more. It was a blast, guys. I mean, it was a blast. I mean, I knew I had a lot to learn. 23 days, you know. Yeah. I mean, when I was oh, a yeah. kid, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, it was total kayfabe, even to the to the <laughs> wrestling kids for most of them. And so I, I, the dressing rooms were always separate. I never heard any, anyone calling anything. I, I never saw God laying, laying out shit. I didn't see anything. I mean, you know, I mean, I didn't know how, I, I knew, I knew, I knew everything about the marketing, the promotions, the ring, music, the light, ticket taking, the profit loss statements, the ledgers. I, 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 I knew everything about business and, and for wrestling. I just was not privy to in the ring because my mom and dad said you don't need to until you get there. We don't want you to catch the bug if there's a bug and get all excited about it. So I respected that. And so I, I ran it back and uh, Chris said, hey, can you call the dream? I said, oh, good. So I called dream and, and I'm like, yeah, dream. And he goes, uh, come on, come home. I go, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Louisville. I'm going to finish my shit up. I'll see you in you know, three, four months. He goes, what do you need your master's? I said, just cause. I want to knock it out. He goes, you got jobs waiting for you. I said, yeah, I got jobs. I want to finish the master's get my job. He goes, you got your job. I need you here tomorrow because your third match is going to be on TV on Saturday night, WCW. Mm. Yeah, and that's, that's how that happened. <laughs> so That's how that happened. Let me ask a question. So yeah. your, your old tag team partner, Chad Fortune, I, I yeah. watched Chad before. Who came up with the dynamic of Techno Team 2000? So dynamic, okay, so so let, let me let, let, let me ask you your question. Okay. So, I mean, let me clarify your question. So we're not talking about who came up with the gimmick. You, you know that. that that's WWE. And right. All no, no. no. And all I know that. But, like, Vince gave you the gimmick and all that. And he said, here, run with it. Right. What was the dynamic between you and Chad? Okay, so so Chad had Chad was the tight end at, at Louisville, and me and him became very good friends. I, I would say me and Brown and Nagel were best friends. But then what ended up happening was, you know, when 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 Schnelli did the turn on us, then he mandated that we we separate with um, just a just a throw a wedge. So so Chad and I had been really good friends for you know the whole time there. But me and Chad, Chad me and Chad were awesome friends. So he gets drafted and goes to Indianapolis Colts. So from Indianapolis Colts, he gets cut from Indianapolis Colts, goes to Miami Dolphins. He goes to Miami Dolphins, really shy dude, calls me up and goes, hey, I just got, you know, my, my agent got me a deal at Miami Dolphins. It's fantastic. He goes, doesn't your mom live down there? Goes, yeah. And he goes, do you think I could, like, rent a room? I'm like, I don't know. So I call my mom. She goes, he doesn't have to rent a room. And then about three weeks in, she goes, I'm going to kill him. How old's the guy? He doesn't make his bed. Uh, he eats too bad. I'm like, oh, God. That's Chad. And so, um, <laughs> 
all needs to my His name was it was horrible. I mean, what a what what an idiot. And so um, so so then you just let go from there. And, and so I called mom. I said, Can I ask you something? Chad is one of the most talented people I've ever seen. Like he's one of the fastest tight ends. Mm-hmm. You no, know, he didn't have to block. A, he, I said he didn't have to block a lot at Louisville, but he got the, he, he, I said he's got the, the greatest hands I've ever seen. I said the guy is the guy is impressive. And she goes, Eric, the whole time he's here, he just he, he, he went out and strip clubs and whatever and I never seen him study anything excuse me. she goes no we talked he he got he got let go in Indianapolis because he couldn't learn the playbook Ooh. and 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 he he didn't take the time to learn the playbook at Miami Dolphins so they they fire him and he ends up at um, Buffalo or no Dallas or something like that and um, so he's at Dallas and he's doing better and then one day uh, he was coming through and he's just lollygagging with someone else and then slammed like one of the bathroom doors open and almost like fractured I think like 28 hands <laughs> and so then his life was good short there so so I got a call from his mother because he's up and from what I understand he's depressed um, he, he's from Valparaiso Indiana and I guess he started making runs to Gary and Dan all the time where the casinos were and spent everything that he made the, the, the three years now I'm not saying it's huge but he got signing bonus signing bonus signing bonus and he blew all his money um, gambling and was at like a powerhouse gym in Valparaiso when she called tears and like I got a I got a son that has no degree. He didn't finish it. He's gone to three or four freaking teams. He can't stay on a team. And now he, you know now he's gambled all his money away. Has no future. Is there anything to do? I said send him to me. Um, I said I'm on the road all the time, uh, but he can live at my place. Let me try to figure something out. So he comes down to Atlanta, and then I went and negotiated a training contract for him at WCW. And so he was at WCW man. I want to say like a year and a half and and um, at the training and he's like oh, I can't get a break I can't get a break I can't get around I'm like okay I, I don't have time I'm on the road all the time I, I, whatever dude pull your head out of your ass make a break for yourself so the, the, the funny thing about it is um, they went to Orlando Studios uh, when they started taping there and so his first televised match that because because it was Tate at Orlando, they put him in a match with a with another guy from 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 Tulsa, Oklahoma, in which I introduced to Dallas Page and Eric Bischoff. Um, that became a, a big success in in wrestling. Um, my my childhood friend Bill Goldberg. <laughs> so so he wrestles Bill Goldberg in a match, and Bill puts him over in a match. So so he comes back from Orlando. He goes, finally, they're going to give me a break. They call him back about a week later and said, hey. Hey, we want to do something with your outfit and change something up before we do this. We're gonna we're gonna can that match. We'll air it later. But we want to make some changes to your character. So he's like, "Fuck, okay." So then he went down to Orlando again, and and he, he this guy is like. He's not socially. He's not. He's not a real social guy. He, he's not. And so he was down in Orlando, like everyone else is. They're sitting outside, and then when the people start coming in, they tell the wrestlers to get back. They tell the the marks to get out of the back, and all this bullshit. Well, he's been down to Orlando several times. He's been in the training school for a year and a freaking half, and he gets these feelings hurt because Ric Flair sees him and says, "Hey, all marks out, out of here." So it it, it perturbed him. He's like, "I'm not a mark. How many marks are six five? I mean, I don't know." 
I said, because I can't believe it. You know, no, you know, this is this is just the bottom of it. I said, Rick Flair was effing with you, probably. I said, first of all, back in the day, you were rookie for three years. You were carrying bags. You were doing shit you don't want. No one wants to talk about. If a if a, if an old timer kind of pulled your chain, get over it. And so you got so upset. Well, at this time, I had already called WWE, and I was going to to WWE. When I called WWE, I thought I was going to call and say, Hey, Merrick Watts, I've been wrestling WCW. They're going to know who I am. I'm going to go, Hey, I'll go. I want it on your roster. Do you want me or not? Well, I, I learned fast that, that they called me and go, Oh, Eric, yeah, we'd be interested, but everyone has to try out. I go, Try out. Why do I need to try out? Do you want to send some of the tapes from WCW? You know, because I, I didn't listen, you know? I'm like, Okay. Because I just thought, you know, if you're at WWE, the WCW people can check check the, the tape. It's not like you're coming out of a school or an independent territory or whatever. You, you think that, Hey, let me show, show you some footage of my resume and let's roll. So they said, yeah, no. So we got a, we got a, uh, we got a uh, TV taping uh, that's happening in Augusta, Georgia. I don't know what it said, three weeks from now. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll be more than happy to come try out. Well, I just kept on hearing, you know, chat. I've got my own things I gotta do, but he's just bitching, living rent free and everything else. <laughs> he's bitching, just, you know, which is, it's a nice gig, right? So, so you, so you make money, buddy gets your contract, you do all the shit and you live and eat free at his house and you store all your fucking money. That's awesome. So, so, but, but I, again, I was too busy to care. And I also, I'm also the believer of health of vows and, and, and what you put out good will come back good to you and all this other stuff. So I'm sitting there and I'm hearing him. I'm hearing it and it just gets under my skin. Not him, but it's just getting under my skin. You know? And I'm like, you know what, Chad? Come to WWE. He goes, well, okay. I go, but we got to try out. He goes, uh, okay. He goes, I can't take it here anymore. And so I said, well, hold on. Don't say anything. Yet. Let me see your contract. So I read his contract and the contract was really bad. I mean, it wasn't like my WCW contract. It was a training contract with like so many loopholes or whatever. So I shoot it over to my lawyer. Like, would you look at this? Like, I've seen 99 ways out of this contract. And so my lawyer goes, that was horrible. I go, shit, not a WCW contract. And, you know, it, <laughs> it was iron flat. <laughs> and so, so I, I, like, I just need to go, you know, races and, and you know, I'm, I'm with the WCW. And, and uh, so I go down to the training center, uh, which was Jody Hamilton's old school, became the WCW power plant. Mm. So I didn't even need to call WCW. I'm going down with Jody. I'm, I'm still working out, even though I'm going, even though I'm going to WWE. I'm still working out, right? And uh, so I got with Chad, and I watched him, and I'm like, you know, man, you're such a great athlete. It's just you haven't had any time in the ring. And um, so you got a little spots down and all this other stuff, but, but we got to change it up. So I just told Chad, I said, listen, well, I, I mean, I can do flips and all kinds of crazy stuff off the top rope if I needed to. My dad my dad doesn't want me to do it because being, you know, 6'6", six, six, he goes, it kind of hurts the thing. But I was also digging Mike Austin and ECW, you know, and then all that. But my dad's like, here's the problem. Big, you know, you're big, I'm big. Now you got you now you got to help the person underneath you can catch you, right? Because 6'6", six, six coming off the top on a flip or whatever. Mike they, Austin it, 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 <laughs> Yeah, and, and well, that's what I told my dad. He goes, yeah, well, yeah, who's Mike Austin? I go, well, let me see the, let me show you the, the, the tape of Mike. He goes, yeah, that's impressive. Where does he work? Japan? I go, yeah. He goes, in ECW. Yeah, he goes, yeah, he won't ever work at the big shows. I go, why? He goes, because we don't need 6'6 six, six Ray Mysterio. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so I was like, I But yet he went to WCW, um, so... <laughs> 
yeah, yeah, but but still, I mean, he didn't. I mean, he didn't pan out. But but no. but I love Mike. No, I love Mike. But but when I when 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 my dad corrected me and he goes, "Here's the deal, dude. The business doesn't need giant acrobats. The business needs giants or really good wrestlers." He goes, "All the acrobatic stuff, Eric, that you're taking is kind of cool because you've always been acrobatic yourself. Doesn't really work in the character or storyline because." Why do you need to do all of that? Are you compensating because you don't know how to work? So once he broke it down, I'm like, yeah, but I like it. Because you can love it. Love it. But his career will be short. And I'm like, okay, well. So I, I did stuff like reverse drop kick and 360 monkey flips off the top instead of doing one and a half, like two cold Scorpio and those things, right? Mm-hmm. So so I was like, I was like, Chad, you're you're not you're not gonna come off the top rope like this per se. But but his vertical was like thirty-eight inches or 39 inches. He's 6'5", bro. Uh, uh, when, when he went to Pro Day, he was redonkulous, this guy's vertical. So I'm like, hey, man, why don't we go to tag? We're bu- I'm 6'6", you're 6'5", and let's, let's amp the game up. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, double hip tosses, double leapfrog, double drop kicks. I said, the drop kicks are done. The hip tosses are done. But there's no 6'5", six, 6'5", six, doing double leapfrogs. And then, and then I'm like, hey, and then I, I came up with some of my own moves from C some AAA guys and all that. So, I, you know, I, I, I'd pull a guy from the corner, throw him into the turnbuckle. I would go splash the person, come out, and Chad would run and and, and jump and, and leapfrog me by my face, and I would push him up under his cross, and he would go, you know, seven feet and come down and do a cross body in the corner. And, and, and so we were just doing all these kind of uh, flashy tag moves. And we did it in like two weeks. I was just throwing some stuff. So I just said, Chad, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cover you up. I'm going to cover you up, meaning like I'm going to get in here and do this. Uh, I'll talk to the guys. And then you'll learn on the road at WWE, and we'll just flash the shit out of them, and and, and we'll pick it up. And I said, I've shown you enough. We got these like good. And so we go, I got Brooklyn Brooklyn Baller, uh, Brawler, and Horowitz, which you couldn't ask for two greater people on the So they were my tryout match, and we go out there and we rock it for seven or eight minutes and then brawler comes back and because at first when we were like hey we want to do this we want to do this they, they were looking at us like you, you know like when a dog you're talking to a dog and just starts turning its head like oh, like what <laughs> are you saying and, and so I'm like listen I, I'm just going to lay it out guys Here, here's the four five six moves we're going to do you guys do what the hell, how, how else you want and they're like so you're going to catapult him and let me get this straight and then you're and then the finish is that you're going to you're going to jump up, no hands, up into a corner and do a reverse sunset flip over me. And I said, yeah, we're good. And uh, okay, we got this. And we went out there. It was crazy. I don't know how how else anyone else gets uh, no. hired or whatever. So we we come back through the curtain at Augusta, and there's one Vince McMahon standing <laughs> there and going, Eric, what's your sign now? Right now. I got your contract. I go, excuse me? He goes, here's, I've seen it. I've seen it all. You, you, you guys are the next... You guys are the next generation of, of that. He goes, first of all, I would have never, you know, really, you know, I'm not thinking about, you know, two, six, five, six, six guys right now, tag, yes, you know, Tower of Pain, all this other stuff. He goes, but, but I'm not seeing two guys hook it up and move in the quickness. And I, and I said, okay, well, yeah, I tried to play cool. I said, well, I'm going to have to show my lawyer. And uh, <laughs> he looked at me. He goes, okay, he goes, well, get back to me. Like, I'd like for you to get back to the law. And I said, well, let me let me see. I, I, I'll call my lawyer. So send the contract. So we walked out, you know, after we got drafted. Chad goes, so we're going to send 
he's a lawyer. I go, oh, I don't want no lawyer. <laughs> I just thought it was the right thing to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, I didn't want to. I said, I was just in my pants. I was so happy. I didn't want to let him know that. And um, and it was chill. So my lawyer looked at it uh, the next day, which was uh, me. And uh, which it didn't. Yeah, kayfabe the shit out of that, please. <laughs> and uh, I signed it and FedExed it straight back. And and so that and so that's how it started. You know, the, the Troy Techno. I mean, that that's a whole nother segment that you and me can talk about because they they had a marketing team. They were going to a female uh, person that was very successful at designing clothes, a fashion designer. Um, so that's kind of how the outfits came out. Um, they they did huge marketing studies and which were true at the time because I was big in the business that things that rhymed people had a better uh, uh, memory recall on things that rhymed so then all of a sudden you got freaking Skip and Dick Bonnie Donna's then all of a sudden you got Bart and Billy Gunn smoking right. gun then you got Troy and Travis Techno Team 2000 so that was all out of a, a marketing report that came back to make people's names and shit rhyme um, <laughs> because to me <laughs> it's the gospel it's true to me the money they spent was amazing I mean I can't tell you first class airfares and limos to these fashion designers in New York and mock-ups and make-ups and, and, and maybe on another interview I could tell you just how crazy it was because we didn't get our outfits till our first TV and they were all banked up and it, 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 it dude I'll have you guys laughing so hard about that shit it's going crazy but um, so all that you know to me I'm from Oklahoma I've lived in Atlanta for a while but I you know I, I still feel that I still have a little bit of a southern twang when I speak and so I'm like so I'm <laughs> I'm Troy Techno so what am I supposed to say hey I'm Troy techno y'all from the future <laughs> like like 2000 and shit you know like you know and do like a country robot like I mean, it was, the, it was the furthest thing. It was the furthest thing. Like, I, but but I didn't care. I didn't give a. I don't. I mean, why would I care? We weren't zip and skip or whatever. Like, I was like, oh my god. Or can you skip, skip and zip. I think it was. Yeah, skip and yeah, yeah, skip and zip and sunny. The body Donna. Kenito and, and, and Tom and Pritchard. Again, yeah. Oh, and listen. Let, let me tell you what. Right. What incredible workers. Oh, I love Tom. Tom's and, such and a great sunny. guy. I did a podcast. Um, I did. A, I had to do a podcast this morning up in uh, London. Um, uh, Mid South Sports uh, uh, Television right now is mm. just like catching on fire in Europe. You know, people are like, "Hey, we're not happy right now with much of the wrestling." Which I haven't watched wrestling much lately. And they're like, "We're not happy." Well, so we got into this archive now. So they've got these podcasts, and they, and, and they were going crazy. So. They they brought me on. Well, episode three hundred of Mid South. Uh, 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 Tom was Tom was on the show. And I'm like, God damn it, Tom! I love him. You know, so those guys were great. So um, so we went up there. So the the, the whole idea was um, two really athletic guys that were different look, pushed the envelope, and and they were excited. And and um, uh, it, it, it was a, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy time. And just um, matter of fact, uh, you know. Uh, Grilla Monson came to us, and, and uh, there was a Canadian tour and a Europe tour going at the same time. And they had a huge company meeting because at, at the time we were there for about three weeks. And that's when you know Vince is in like major, major clinch fighting the government on all his you know indictments. Mm. And he he announced, I don't he goes they, he goes they he goes, and he put everything up for sale. I don't know if you guys remember that WWE yeah. tower he put up for sale. Yeah. And so the whole angle was the whole angle was he was like I'm gonna 
I'm, I'm going to tell them they have nothing to come after because I'm going to go broke. And so that was the angle. And I remember when uh, when, when we were up there, he announced, he goes, he goes here's the deal. I'm on, I think he said, I'm on 113 and die. They said they'll make them all go away if I'll just plead guilty to three. Let me tell you guys how I feel about this. You're talking about the U.S. government. If the U.S. government is coming to you and saying, hey, we have 130 and we want you to plead bargain out for three, they know they've lost. I was like, you cocky, arrogant, beautiful bastard. Like, I did. I was like, I, I I don't even think many of you guys love you. I love you. That is so, that's, that's so awesome. art of, that is art of war shit. Like, if you guys have ever got to read the book Art of War, that's Art yeah. of War shit. Like, you do that opposite of what people think and you'll catch them, right? I was like, you are a crazy maniac. God bless you. And um, it was after that meeting, uh, they came up and they said, hey, you know, let's have your plane tickets. I said, for what? And they gave us Bart and Billy Gunn plane tickets. They were changing the name stuff. You guys are going on the 10-day sold-out Europe tour. We're going to put them on the Canadian tour. And then mm. when you guys get back, when you guys get back on Raw, um, they're dropping the belts to you guys. And I was like, oh my God, Vince does like this gimmick. <laughs> between between then and about seven hours later, because it was, it, was, it was probably about six or seven o'clock at night, which, which I'm going to tell you my personal feeling. I thought it was fucked up because I knew the business well enough that I, I knew that, that and, and I've been there, everyone loves the Europe tours because they sell out, like a lot of stuff sells out, but the current from Europe, you 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 get good money. Canadian, when you have to transform that into American, you lose about forty percent of what you make to the U.S. dollar. Plus, it was a seven-day tour that wasn't all sold out. So, just the money. Now, you take two of the two very hard-working people. Okay, I was fans of theirs, watching them. Martin Billy Gunn busted their ass. They busted their ass to to to, to prove themselves. And uh, these two guys just walk in and they're going to drop the belts to so the wwe machine got and so and i'm not saying i wouldn't have but they went and cried cried to every person from what i understand that would listen to them and before we left the next morning it's like hey guys you're going to canada <laughs> mark billy going and uh and and and, and that, it's a momentum lift because because again if i was Martin billy i would have been bitching but that that bitching was it, it, I believe turned into major heat. Now we could have we could have outlasted the heat in two seconds. Uh, we had two matches that Vince was at not big flub up, but huge flub up. Uh, Chad got nervous in the ring, and like I said, he's one of the best. Like his footwork and shit is unbelievable. And we were at Madison Square Gardens for one of our first matches. Not not and, to interrupt. Trust me, I've seen Chad yeah. when Chad was doing the indie territory stuff. So trust me, I know. What you're talking about okay so so you saw it so so he went at the madison square garden and he went to go hit the ropes and fell through the ropes oh yeah, yeah. oh like that's he, a bad bump. he fell through the second and third row oh. hold him you know like 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 flubbed through it not not to the ground but just like like collapsed right got back up well the spots fucked up so now he that was the second or third or fourth time or whatever the hell it was in front of you know crowd and it's a sold out madison square gardens the same was the curtain call with Shawn Michaels and all of them at the end when people go into WCW. I mean, this is a big show, right? Wow. And Chad, Chad shit the bed. Now, I didn't think it was a big deal. I was like, ah, he was just, he was, we were the opening match, whatever. I'm like, mm, he just got excited. Next night, 
sold out Boston Garden. He did. He he, he, he tripped during a, during during a crossover. Just fucked up the whole spot. I mean, six minute match. First wow. first match out. So yeah. So then we so then we get like a call and like, the call was weird. It's like, uh, hey, we want to send you guys to Memphis. So so Chad gets more work and Chad just Chad fell apart in Memphis. Um, he didn't know the business. He didn't understand the business. He didn't understand what was ritual. You're supposed to come in. You wouldn't do a WWE either. You're supposed to. Okay, well, um, he. You're supposed to come shake every person's hand. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to introduce yourself to every fucking person, everybody. The main talent. And he was like, "Well, why do I need to say something to Shawn Michaels? He doesn't know who the fuck I am. Why do I need to say?" That's why you walk up and say, "Hey, I'm Chad Fortuner. Hey, I'm." Chad bro, <laughs> bro, bro, really, right? And he wouldn't. So now I'm trying to play damage control, going, "He's just shot." And they're like, "No, no, you know what he is? He's a spoiled ass nothing." He was a year and a half at WCW training school, and he gets a shot with WWE, and he doesn't. And, and dude, it was it, that snowballed into the Germany. I mean, the, the Europe tour thing. To this, so then we get sent off to freaking Memphis, which I didn't give a shit because I'm like, hey, he, he is. Being, yeah, well, well, I'm like, he's being just he. He needs to he needs to figure some shit out. So Road Dog was down there. We were running Memphis down there for a while. They put us with PG-13. <laughs> um, we go in there out of nowhere in Martian suits in, in, in Tennessee, which got over like a fart in church, which I knew it would. I mean, we were going to we were going to become the heels because we looked like uh, microwave popcorn went bad. And, and yeah, but you're not and in the so concession stands for that one. <laughs> so, so I didn't smell like butter. Right. So um, yeah. So so I'm like I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm like I want to turn heels out. This would be great. And so the first night we were there, uh, Randy Hales is like, hey. Um, uh, I want you to run in and beat the dog shit at PG-13 uh, in their match after they, they, they win the belt and then we want you just to steal the belt and then Eric, I want you to cut a promo saying that they're not with the shit, you don't care and why would the people acknowledge them as champs when they're not champs and, and you're the real champs and they can go kiss your ass? I'm like, okay, I'm really good on the mic. Uh, I'm more than happy to do this. <laughs> so I, I sold out. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler's there. WWE <laughs> were sold out. And I cut a promo. We beat the hell out of the field. Out. The place went acting crazy. I mean, I've never seen so much stuff thrown. I mean, it, things were coming from everywhere. I, I think I actually had like a six-month-old child take over his own shitty diaper and throw it at me. He was like, ah, oh. and, and, and so we got back and got a chance like what they hate us I go you don't understand this this is Memphis it's a completely different territory of course they hate us I hate us so shut the <laughs> fuck up so so then all of a sudden he just in and again I'm not blaming it but he, he just wasn't he just didn't understand the business you know he was an athlete a very good athlete that thought about the money he could make and not he didn't take the time to honor and respect the business at that point and so it just got worse and so then Randy Hales he's a he's a, he's a handful himself. Mm-hmm. Then he comes about the 10th day we're there. He's like, Eric, I really need you in some main event stuff. We can draw with you. I go, I know. You can draw with me. He goes, well, we ran. I said, Randy, I was never working fucking <laughs> Just so you know. I'm not busting you. It's a cool place. I love Tracy Smothers. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I, I love Dundee's kid. I know him. I, I mean, this is really great. I did not aspire to be here. I, want, I aspire to be at OGWWE. Now, I'm not 
not dogging you, but we had to wrap order from Ed McMahon for Chad's fortune healing time. So your idea is to split it up. Hey, I guess, so what's, what's Chad going to do? He goes, well, Chad didn't even have to work. So, 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 that did, so that gets back to Chad. I'm like, look, this one of this. Let us run, run a tag, and then I'll run some statements. So, but now I'm working double. And, 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 and so, so I'm like, okay. So I did about three or four days, and Chad comes to Madison. He's like, yeah, if they don't want to wrestle, I don't have to. And then it's just grueling in the cars. This is bullshit play. This is, you know, this is beneath me. This is, this is, this is, this. So that went on for about two weeks. And, and he would get upset about stupid stuff like PG, PG-13. You know, those guys, they, they, they would do some stuff where they jump on your back, slap your ass, ride you like a horse with everyone else. And Chad's like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, okay, I don't know if you know, but Wolfie and, and, and Dundee right there, those two kids, they're as over as over can be here. And, and they have a long history of wrestling. They've wrestled more than you'll ever wrestle if you wrestle for the next 10 years. And two so, awesome guys, not, too. Two phenomenal guys. Said, so you're, you're not getting it. I've known, these, I've known these kids since they were born. Bill Dundee worked for my dad. I said, so I'm not saying that it's what, I don't want to be straddled like a horse and slapped on the ass and do giddy up, but then I might come up with something different or I might fuck them off and punch them in the mouth for a second. And they would laugh about it. They're not mad about it. But they know it's getting under your skin, so they asked me that. So then they did the horse thing one day, and then they laid it, and then they acted like they shit on it. Oh, Chad, I'm gonna fuck you off this shit. He's like, I'm not gonna have someone act like shit on me. It's the first thing, Chad. He got, I don't know if you remember this, but I, do you remember the few times you even tried to mess with me and I hung you out the college dorm? And, and, and is there a window? You can't live in one So shut up. Yeah, I said, so I don't even know where you're breaking bad. You're, 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 you're making things comfy. And, uh, so I said, you, you can't take it anymore. You don't want to be here? Um, and I, I went into Rainy Hills and said, let me explain something to you. Cause I, I crack. And now I'm like, Okay, you know, this is my best friend. I'm trying my hardest. I'm doing my best, but I just I can't do this anymore. I'm I, I'm not gonna ruin my career messing around with this trying so hard. Right. So I just I went I went to Randy. I said, Randy, I'm explain something. I'm not doing more singles. And if we're not if we're not every fucking day at the tag, then I'm out. Randy goes, yeah, I got the single. I said, you're you're missing me. You're you're. I don't think you're uh, understanding. Me. You can get get the shit out of yours. I'm not I'm not asking. I'm telling you. He goes, well, you're making demand on me. Yes. Now, see, now now we understand each other. He goes, well, I don't, uh, you know, I've already written this stuff. I said, you're not getting drunk. I said, tomorrow night, uh, we're tagged. He goes, I don't have you as a tag tomorrow. I said, then you don't need to. I got in the car, got with Chad, and I just drove to Atlanta. And then all of a sudden, we get around Chattanooga, and then he just changes the whole, uh, well, what are we doing? I go, I'm going back. He goes, what do you mean? Vince is going to be pissed. I go, Vince doesn't even know. Because if Vince was checking on us, per se, right now, he would know that I'm wrestling school. And you're not right. And he, and, and he would be upset about it if he gave so something has changed in New York right now, and they're too busy with other things other than the techno turds. So slow <laughs> your roll, you know. And um, we got home, and then I said, I said, you do understand this is all from you crying, and they didn't want you. So, so you got to understand, you shake people's hands. You also got to understand if someone has a gimmick called PG thirteen, uh, you know, and and it's over, it's over because of them, not because of us. You do what they do that makes them over. You get over by doing it, and then showing what a good athlete you are and and, and, and and you get over in the back when you act like it doesn't matter 
and you're all a team. That's how wrestling works. So I got back, and shortly after that, I get a call, and I can't remember who it was, Brother Monsoon or Jim Ross or something, you know, and they're like, what? You left? I go, I left three weeks ago. <laughs> they're like, what? I go, yeah. And then I, I, I let them know the truth. I go, look, you know what? They, they weren't going to let him roll. They weren't giving me any tag time. I was doing singles. I said, you know, if you guys want me doing singles at Memphis, I am, I'm WWE, baby. If you want me doing singles at the Ice Capane, if, if I know we're going somewhere, I'll do it. I said, but right, right now, it's just, it's, 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 it's not working out. And they go, well, we got to talk to you anyway. I go, okay, what do you want to talk about? And they said, we, 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 we got to let Chad go. So we've got big plans for you. So, well, he said, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, do something else. Go to Mexico, Japan. You know, let's do something. Let's get some. They're like, no, no, we're, we're good. We want to, we want to split with him. And they go, but we want to talk to you about it. Which again shows to me professionalism. I don't know if anyone else got treated this way. Um, I don't care. I really appreciate what they did. And they go, so how do you feel about it? I go, well, I am the one that that he he, he wanted to leave. WCW did mistreat him. You know, some, some. I mean, some of his own fault, but some. But then I got him out of the contract. I said, I don't know if you guys know this, but since we got him out of his contract, Eric Bischoff's not very happy with Jeff. And and they rewrote every training contract after after Jeff. Oh, so really? he's a poster boy for what not to do due to my lawyers looking at him going, This is what we did. Yeah. So I said he's not he, I said he's not in good faith right now at WCW. And he came, he tried out, you guys liked him, and now it's whatever it was, six months, nine months, a year. I said, whatever it is, and now you're done with it. They go, so what do you want us to do? I said, you pay him for another six months, but you release him. I think it was six months. I said, but you release him to go back to WCW or anywhere else he wants. Um, Anything and and um, they said we'll get with Vince. We'll talk you back. And you know what? They called back and said, "Yep, yeah, that's exactly right." So again, I can't remember three months, six months ago. Do you want to call him or do you want us to? I said, "Well, you guys are going to call him, but, but let me give him a call." So I called him. I said, "Hey, this is what happened. This is what the code. they're going to call you and tell you." And he was freaking the fuck out. And I'm like, "You don't need to freak out. You killed yourself. You you literally killed yourself." And I said, "And I'm not mad at it, but you have the you have all the skills to be." incredible in in the, in this in this entertainment in this sport you really do you gotta get past your fear of being shy or your social you need to figure that shit out and um, I said but they're calling you and they're gonna offer to you know, keep you on for three months six months whatever where you can go do whatever the hell you want blah, 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 it's free money go fucking do it um, and they did exactly that and I made some calls and because um, I know people that know Eric Bush off very well and uh, my best friend made Dallas Page and some other people and uh Bishop was this, and he was upset, and he was this, and that, and the other, but getting another chance, and he was right back on a training scholarship, or training, not scholarship, uh, agreement with WCW. And, and the time he spent there, because uh, I did go down and check out him every once in a while, he got a lot better. Like, like had that kid, what I saw last time, because I haven't talked to Chad Fortune Fifteen years. Um, if that kid was who I took to WWE, yeah, uh, they would have never switched tickets from from Europe or Canada. You know, <laughs> we'd have belts and all that kind of stuff. Because the guy that I got to see for for a little bit, a few times, was one hundred percent different. I, I went to a few bars where they had some wrestling matches, good old days, or some other things here in Atlanta, and um, he was doing single matches, and he was he was looking really prime. Now, could he do that in front of thirty thousand people or sixty thousand people? 
I don't know. Yeah. But that that wasn't yeah, that wasn't that wasn't the dude. He he had too many things. He had too many things he had to overcome. Um but but yeah, he, he um uh, but he's doing the monster truck thing and, and um you know, so you know, there, there you go. You know, whatever's supposed to happen was supposed to happen. Um, every time I I always tell everybody that comes on the show, when you come on to to the 2300 wrestling you become part of the family so welcome to the family right. so welcome to the family on the run of the litter <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought no, Brian man. was oh boy yeah. <laughs> yeah no no for sure man yeah 2300 <laughs> is, is awesome and so so, so do, do the same thing communicate um, uh, you guys got my phone number so yeah, it's I much got easier you. to it is, it, guys it's much easier to do my phone than, than the messenger thing right because um, it's using me texting so you so. Yeah, so just hit me up. Uh, find your schedule. Yeah, find definitely. Out how it works. Definitely. Um, right. I don't want to go down to ECW stories. Right. Because that's what the yeah. podcast is all about, is the ECW arena. But we ran so. out of time, so... Episode two. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like that. But from the bottom of my heart, it has been an honor and a privilege to have you on the 2300 Wrestling Podcast. I'm loving it, guys. It's my honor to be with you. Thank you very much. Okay. Enjoy your night, guys. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. This is the 2300 Wrestling Podcast, and we've been talking to legendary Eric Watts. And that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you in, in the ring. ring.